Hi, Jewels. It's Khalifa, your chief jewel in charge. And welcome to Whip and Jewels podcast, where women who hustle and inspire with purpose drop jewels. We explore experiences in business, personal development, and creative endeavors while owning our narratives. We unveil critical themes through the intersectionality of the black woman's plight and the black women's ceiling shattering accomplishments, aka exploring the struggles and successes of black women everywhere. So today from our jewel box, we have Angelique McNair, founder of Melanin on Wall Street. She closes million dollar real estate deals and is now a law student and is on a mission to change the face and perception of corporate America for black, brown, and minority women. In 2011, I met Angelique, a melanated beauty, at an event, an art event, and I have developed this relationship with her over the years, so I'm so excited to have her. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Welcome to Whipping Jews, Angelique. So I just want to say I'm so happy for everything that you have going on. From all of your endeavors from 2011 to now has been amazing and it's really been rooted in just helping black women reach their fullest potential no matter what spectrum you're on. So I wanted to start by um, getting to know you as the woman behind the brand. Who is Angelique as a child and tell me who you are today as we sit here. I was always a busybody as a child, so I can start from when I was little. I grew up in um, the church, of course. I have parents who are Christian. My grandpa, God rest his soul, he was a bishop. Um, so most of my life was predominantly groomed around, you know, being in church and, you know, taking care of my spirituality and well-being. So I was always, you know, in the mix. I was doing a lot of concerts. Um, I used to be heavily involved with a lot of like, you know, youth empowerment and stuff like that when I was young. Um, Also, when I was young, I was more into the fashion and art. So I was more of like a creative child. For elementary, I started doing my art. um, And then junior high school, I went to the um, Ronald Edmonds Learning Center for Mm -hmm. fine arts and design. And then my second major in art, um, fine arts and design was fashion illustration. Um, So I was there for three years and I was from seventh to eighth grade. And then that school, Ronald Emmons Learning Center, they're still there. Um, It's in Clinton Hills. I was grown and raised up in Clinton Hills. Um, It's still there. It's amazing. I need to go back, by the way. And for high school, I went to the high school of art and design. I spent a lot of, you know, ninth to twelfth grade. And that's pretty much how I developed who Angelique was, you know, figuring my life out, what I want to do. Um, I was a major, I did fashion marketing and fashion advertisement in high school. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much who you me. were as a child. So <laughs> who planted those early seeds of creativity within you? Honestly, no one. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was crazy. Me and my sister, we're both very creative artists like my sister she's an illustration major and then she's a really bomb makeup artist so it goes hand in hand but my mom doesn't draw my dad that I know of he doesn't draw or like I never really asked him did he like draw when he was younger but maybe it's like something that was passed down but me and my sister we're both creative individuals but we don't know how it happened it pretty much we went to school we dived in it my mom always had us in extracurricular activities too so I was doing like art stuff I was a cheerleader I did dance I did stepping so I pretty much had you know you kind of developed it outside of your home Mm-hmm. And I think that even speaks to the importance of education in school and being in the right environment, how those seeds can be planted at such a young age. And early on, after you um, got out of high school, you start, how early did you start Fashionpreneur, one of your uh, agencies that you no longer run, but you were mm-hmm. running in 2011? Is that when it was established? Um, I think... You might be right, Um, because my first year of college, I was in an art institute of Philadelphia. So it wasn't then, because at that time, I was kind of like, oh, get me out of Philly. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you get to Philly? What made you want to go there? My mom, like, this is what happened. I applied to all these colleges in high school. And because I was in an art school, kind of like my mom didn't believe, like, oh, like, fashion. Like, what are you going to do in fashion? How are you going to make money in fashion? She kind of really... She was kind of like on the end of like, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I'm going to support you anyway. 
So I pretty much, you know, I applied to Harvard, Berkeley, Howard, Hampton. Um, I applied to a lot of schools, like outside of art schools. And I got accepted to a lot of them. I got accepted to Howard. I got accepted to Harvard. Mm-hmm. I got accepted to Johnson & Wells. But I turned them all down because I realized that it was something that I really didn't want to do. So in the beginning, it wasn't... Because those schools are business schools. Yeah, those schools are mostly business. Well, Johnson & Wells had the fashion thing, but then I'm like, I don't even know anybody that goes to Johnson & Wells, and I didn't have any friends that was, like, there. But those schools are more so, like, doctor, lawyer, business, or whatever. And yeah. I was, at the time, you know, I grew up being in an artsy field. So it was kind of like, eh, I don't want to go there, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I transferred from Philly. I went to Berkeley College for a year. Um, so I went there for a year and I realized, okay, like, I really don't want to be in New York anymore. I feel like I need some accountability. I feel like I'm having too much fun here. I feel like all my friends are here. And even though I was always active with interning, doing my fashion week shows, you know, being in the mix, cause I was always in the mix at a young age. Um, it pretty, I just needed a change. So I went to Atlanta and my cousin convinced me to stay. She like trapped me. I ain't have no clothes, nothing. She Wait, is Atlanta before fashionpreneur? Atlanta is when I started the fashionpreneur. Okay. So, so what year is that? Um, you're right. That had to be 2011. Okay. 12-ish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was around that time, that fall, winter um, situation. So I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta, and I finished um, my bachelor's year for fashion marketing management. Um, and that's how I started the fashionpreneur. I started the fashionpreneur while I was in college. So mm-hmm. I was a sophomore at the time. And the reason why I started the fashionpreneur is because, you know, I'm in Atlanta. I'm from New York. Um, and I realized that a lot of people in Atlanta, they didn't have the same opportunities as I had. And they wanted to start fashion brands, but they didn't know where to start. And like, I felt like school didn't really teach them like everything they need to know. And plus you need somebody that's hands-on that know what they're talking about, that experience, the actual industry and stuff like that. So I started the fashionpreneur because I wanted to be dedicated to fashion entrepreneurs of all spectrum, whether you want to be a stylist, a fashion designer, all that good stuff. Um, And basically I helped with marketing, brand development, um, advice, you know. So was it like a public relations agency for uh, fashion entrepreneurs? It was more so like a branding development agency, but okay. I did have PR part of the spectrum. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you've had success. Like you've launched Fashionpreneur, you've done Fashion Week, you've, you have connections in the fashion industry. So tell us some of the hardships or fails that you experienced um, early on. Um, I think a lot of my hardships was that I was young. And at the time, I was underage. I wasn't 21 yet. So, and my mom was very strict. I come from like a very strict home. So I had to be home by 10. And my mom used to tell me, if that news channel come on and says, you don't know where your children are, if I'm not home by that time, I knew I was getting in trouble. So I used to be running from the train station and everything. <laughs> so I think a lot of that was, a. it wasn't really a hardship. It was a tough hardship, a hard pillow to swallow mm-hmm. because... A lot of the times fashion events started late, like in, in order for me to have network and everything, a lot of the fashion parties started late. I couldn't stay out one or two o'clock in the morning. Um, my mom didn't allow me to spend a night out at mm-hmm. friends house unless she really knew you <laughs> and the parent. So that was a lot of hardships for me. It was that I couldn't be as active. Mm-hmm. In my career, at that early age of like under 20, like I was 19, stuff like that. Um, So that was a lot of, that was one hardship. Another hardship I faced was trying to build my experience because what happens is, is you apply to jobs, you want experience, but they don't want to hire you unless you have experience. So you have to kind of, you know, finagle your way into the industry. Mm -hmm. Pretty much what I did at the time was I didn't know this was going to work, but, you know, I started interning. And once I started interning, I felt like a little ding just hit me in the head. Like, God, just like I said, boom. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't so weird. So I interned, like, a lot of Fashion Week shows, and I interned for, like, Team Vogue and all those people. Mm -hmm. And one day at a Fashion Week show, who was I working for? Was it, which show was it? It was somebody's show. I think it was Michael, um, no, it was not Michael. It was... Diane von Furstenberg. Okay. That's who it was. It was Diane von Furstenberg. And you know, I love Diane von Furstenberg. I was her like groupie from like, 
high school. Like, yeah. you know, so I was like, you know, I snuck out. So I was interning, but I had snuck out. So I'm like, you know what? I'm about to come to these fashion week shows, mad fly, throw on my, sh- like, change my clothes or whatever, <laughs> to sneak out. And I'm going to have to get it in where I can fit in. I'm yeah. going to this out. And I literally snuck. Even though I was working behind the scenes, I snuck out to watch the shows. I was dressed mad fly. I changed my clothes. Everything disappeared from my, like, supervising everything. Mm-hmm. And I, like, started networking. I had little business cards at the time. Um, I, like, literally finessed my way in. <laughs> and I started getting interviewed by, like, Claire. That's when she oh, had Fashion Bomb Daily in the beginning. From, yes. That's when she had first started, like, Fashion Bomb Daily. So I was always on her website. I'm not sure if you remember those days. Like I was yeah, always I do, on the website. Um, I started getting interviewed for like a lot of street style. So people really thought I was somebody. Like that's how that's how it really happened. <laughs> you know what's so funny? Because I think I remember you and now that you say street style, I remember your photos being taken during Fashion Week for Street Style. So definitely it seems like you knew that you had to kind of fake it till you make it. Kind of that approach. Yes, I really had to finagle yes. my way to where to I wanted strategic. to be. Yeah, I had to be strategic in what exactly I wanted because I knew I had to go. I knew I wanted to be successful in fashion and I knew all the people I wanted to meet, I knew what my goal was. And I'm like, you know what? I know I'm interning right now, but while I'm still here, I'm going to figure this out. I used to text my, one of my best friends, Michelle. I used to be like, Michelle, meet me at the fashion show. I'm going to get you in. Hold my stuff. <laughs> and I used to change in the bathroom after the fashion week show and hang around, talk to people. And that's how I met Junie Ambrose. Like, mm-hmm. she was obsessed with me. She used to call me her twin all the time. So, yeah, that's I basically had a strategic um, plan and it worked. <laughs> and it worked. Um, but since then, you've shifted and made a career change from fashion, and you're now synonymous with real estate and law and Wall Street. Tell me, was law school always in the cards for you? In the back of my mind, it was in the cards for me. So originally, when I was in college in Atlanta, I was going to do fashion law. So I did one. I did a few classes in fashion law at Fordham. And I was like, okay, I'm going to really get into this. I'm going to really dive into the fashion because I love fashion and I do love the business transaction side. Mm-hmm. So I was always going to try to do the fashion law thing. I still might get into fashion law too. Mm-hmm. But um, that's pretty much, it kind of still was in my mind, but not real estate. Mm-hmm. So how did real estate come into uh, the spectrum of your career? Well, real estate came in the spectrum because I needed, well, I was working for a company at the time called Gracia New York. I was a marketing manager there. Um, and things just wasn't working out for me. So I contacted um, one of my friends named Trisha. We went to high school together, junior high school together. We were like close friends, whatever. I contacted her and I'm like, I need a job because this whole marketing manager job is like really stressing me out. I'm working late nights. I feel like I'm undervalued. I felt like the company didn't appreciate me. And I'm like, you know, I want to try something different. And she's like, my job is hiring. So I'm like, where do you work? She's like property management. So I'm like, hmm, well, I love the business. Mm-hmm. So let me give it a shot. I went there. Um, the company's called Old Area. I went there, had an interview. It's in Flow Park. And I felt like, oh, damn, it's so far. I'm in, you know, I lived in Williamsburg, Brooklyn at the time. And I'm like, damn, this this is so far. But I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to press my way because maybe this is, you know, a great opportunity for me. So I went and had the interview with the office manager. She loved me. And she was like, even though you have a fashion background, like, I believe in you. I feel like you can get the job done. I feel like, you know, you're very ambitious. You're very goal-oriented. You're very proficient. You're very articulate with your words. Mm-hmm. And you seem to like the business. So she hired me right on the spot. I literally started, like, the next week. And um, I started out as a sales coordinator for mm-hmm. condos and co-ops. And from there, I was so interested you know, when you learn something new, it's kind of like so intriguing that you want to learn more. Yes, absolutely. So that's pretty much how it was for me. I was so interested in how these co-ops and condos worked and how people were able to buy, learning about shares in a building, board members. I was so intrigued on that that I started diving in more and diving in more and diving in. And that's pretty much how I started to get into real estate by just wanting to learn and be receptive to the stuff that was coming my way. And now you're showing women that it's possible to fall in love with their careers 
during a time where everyone wants to quit their nine to five and their jobs and into the world as entrepreneurship. So tell me why that is so important to you to be able to embrace corporate America and change the perception in the face of it. I just literally said something like when you said something about how people are very quick to, you know, oh my God, quit your nine to five and become an entrepreneur. Like Mm -hmm. um, one reason why I believe in having a nine to five, and I'm not saying that I want to work for somebody for the rest of my life. No, Mm -hmm. I'm not. I really want to be a housewife, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. If I could be a housewife and sit back and run my business, I'll be like, yes. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I have goals that I want to do before I even get to that point. But one thing that I don't like with a lot of these women empowerment organizations and a lot of these Instagram gurus and Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call these people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't like that. What they do is they try to tell women because, of course, their audience is women. I don't like that they try to tell women, oh, quit your nine to five. Start to be an entrepreneur. These are the steps that you become mm-hmm. to be an entrepreneur. Do like me. I quit my job, whatever. Now, I have no problem with that. That's the each his own. But you cannot dive in and tell somebody to quit their nine to five when they don't even know how their bills are going to get paid the next day. Absolutely. So the reason why I love having a nine to five is... It's not just a nine to five. It's a career. Like, I love what I do. I love that I get to learn more. I love that I get to meet people. My job has benefits. I have a great salary that can fund my life. Mm -hmm. That I, like, if I wake up tomorrow morning, I know that my bills are paid. I know that I can go to the doctor because I have insurance. I know if I need new glasses, I have eye vision insurance. Like, It's a realistic approach that so many of us forget about. Yeah, and it's like you have to use those things until you get to where you want to be. And people always get nine to fives mixed up. Like, oh my gosh, she has a nine to five. Girl, ain't nothing wrong with having nine to five. If you feel like, how can I have a nine to five with doing something that I love? Find a nine to five with finding out what you like to do. You'd be Mm -hmm. surprised. There's so many jobs that you can have as a nine to five making 80 grand a year for doing something that you love. Like I have a friend who works for a nonprofit and she literally didn't know that her field existed. Mm-hmm. She's a brand development for nonprofit and all she does is get paid to have, you know, a lot of socialites and wealthy people to invest and to give money to the organization. Who yeah. knew that? Who knew that existed? All you're doing is being a people's person and contacting people and meeting people and you're meeting amazing people. You're meeting top dogs, millionaires, business mm-hmm. owners. Like, so you never know. It's just, Go on. I always tell people to go on Indeed and just type in something that you like to do. You never know that there's a job that might be out there for you. So I don't think you should totally downplay the nine to five because nine to five can fund your business. Nine to five can also make a way for your extracurricular activities to grow as far as starting a side hustle and doing all different kinds of things. So okay to have a nine to five. <laughs> so ladies, it's definitely okay to have a nine to five. Be strategic. You don't have to stay at a dead end job, exactly. but find out what your true passion is, what it is that you want to put out into the world and build on that. There's companies around, you know, but you started melanin on Wall Street. So you found that there was an issue that you wanted to solve. How did you recognize it and what exactly are you trying to solve with your organization? So I'm going to say this in like a nice way because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be on, on the internet. So I don't want this to affect any like future collaborations or anything. But the reason why I started this is because I felt like I was the only African-American or woman of color. Like I felt like there wasn't a lot of people like me in the corporate ladder. So I'm in a corporate ladder with real estate, and we all know real estate, hedge funds, corporations, bank investors, and stuff like that. It's a predominantly Caucasian world, Mm -hmm. and it's predominantly a man's world. It's not Mm -hmm. really a woman's world. And and if there are women, there's Caucasian women. So on top of that, you're dealing with two things. That's an issue there. So what founded me to start Melon on Wall Street is because I started working at a company on Wall Street, um, and I was the senior closing coordinator, transactions Mm -hmm. coordinator there. And I closed a lot of, you know, condos and co-ops there. So it's some co-ops and condos that would be like $3.5 million, $1.3 million, mm-hmm. some $100,000, some $300,000. So I used to close a lot of those deals. And I was the only woman of color there. Um, and being on Wall Street, you know, walking outside and just sucking everything in. It would be plenty of days I used to walk out on my lunch break and be like, wow, God, I'm here. Wow, this is amazing. Like, who would have ever thought I got to this place? Like, you know how you like walking around and you're just like... Taking it all in. Taking it all in. And I said, you know what? I need to start an organization. 
but I don't know what. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking so hard. Me and one of my best friends, Shanice, um, she's the owner of the Hot Shopper. And we're thinking so hard. I'm like, sis, I want to start an organization dedicated to career women like me. Like there's not really any place in New York City that has an organization dedicated to women of color in a corporate ladder who have nine to five jobs, who enjoy their nine to five jobs, who struggle with the same issues as I do. So I started Melanin on Wall Street. We launched it in September, but it's been a year old. That's why I pretty much started the organization because I felt like there was a need um, in our market and I felt like I wanted to also provide opportunities and help to any woman of color who wanna get into the nine to five, who wanna have a corporate job, who doesn't know where to go, how to switch careers, um, whether they need help with their resumes, cover letters, transitioning. Um, so that's pretty much why I started it because I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I wanted to be a giver to women of color and to have us connect with each other and network with each other. With shifting from fashion to law, you essentially are being fearless and allowing your strengths to shine. For women out there, what's a jewel that you can give to help them allow their strength to pivot them in their lives? I say it all starts with knowing your worth. Once you know your worth, who you are, love yourself unconditionally, find out who you are as a person. What do I like to do? Where do I want to go? Where do I see myself in a few years? Not being outside of a relationship because that doesn't make you whole. You know what I'm saying? So loving yourself and learning who you are will help you for your future because not only is stuff worth for the development of who you are, but it's a development for your future. Once you know your self-worth, you know how to negotiate terms. Once you know your self-worth, you know how to negotiate your salary. You know what you're worth. You know what company this is to go for. You know who's your target customer. It gives you that confidence. So my biggest jewel is to know your self-worth and add tax on it, girl. Mm. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) You know, I think... If you take that approach of understanding your worth, knowing your worth, being confident in what you can bring to the table, it allows you to avoid those dreading nine to fives that everyone is running away from. You won't even find yourselves in those positions because you already started at a good place. Most people don't know what they want to do, don't know what to do next. So they just go wherever someone takes them. And they're and not the one so in. True. They're not the one driving um, their lives. They're not the one in the driver's seat or the co-pilot. I like to say I'm the co-pilot of my life because God is driving, yeah, and exactly. I'm and I'm listening and I'm moving wherever He tells me I need to go. And most people they they can't discern that. So absolutely, I think that is definitely mm-hmm. a jewel for women out there looking to um, needing to know how to use their strengths as a strategic plan in their uh, careers. What about sustainable success? With Instagram, with social media, everyone is huge. Everyone is doing something great. But how can we <laughs> but how can we achieve true sustainable success? I wanna say with social media, a lot of before I even answer that question, mm-hmm. the thing is with social media is that I've learned even talking to young women and even talking to little girls is that people look at social media as a perfected life. It's like when you look at it, it's like, oh, my God, I want what she has. Like, she has nice designer clothes. She has mm-hmm. nice cars. She's always traveling. She has her man. She has, like, people look at those social media profiles, and they don't even know the truth behind those social media posts. So you have people on social media who don't even live that life in reality. Sometimes we don't even know what they have to go through to get those things. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are doing things that they shouldn't have to do to get a lot of those success of social media clout is what I like to call it. Um, also with social media is most people, like I say, is you have to invest in your social media personality because what happens is you have to look like money to get what you want in your life. And what I mean by that is that's something that my dad always taught me. He used to always say, you have to look like money when you leave out the door. And my mom always say, you have to dress for what you want. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I believe with your social media and all to get success from that, you have to figure out, okay, what do I want to gain from social media? 
You know what I'm saying? And it's better to be genuine because once you're genuine in anything with social media and genuine with your life and genuine with people and your personal relationships and then your connections, things start to flow. You don't even got to force it. Things Mm -hmm. just happen. Those people start to come to you. So I would say in order to get a substantial success within social media, I would just say you have to be yourself. You have to be genuine and you have to have genuine connections. You have to have genuine relationships because you can always tell when people aren't genuine or they don't have genuine relationships or when things are forced. Absolutely. And I'm so happy you said that because with Melanin on Wall Street, you have to develop healthy partnerships. So what jewels do you have regarding nurturing relationships in business? Um, I would say you always have to just be open because what happens is like I me, I have board members or whatever and nobody's perfect. We're always going to have ups and downs. We're going to agree to disagree. And what we have to learn is that no one's perfect. Everyone has different stories. Everybody, you know, sheds blood, sweat and tears to get where they are. And it's a lot of people that went through a lot of different things. So we have to treat people with an account of we don't know what their story is. Mm-hmm. It's our job is to figure out, OK, how can I get to know her? How can I be an asset to you? How can we be an asset to each other? How can we help each other grow? So I feel like once you're off, once you're willing to be open with people and be transparent with people and say, well, how can I help you? I don't really need nothing from you, but how can I help you? Because I feel like a lot of the times people are always me, 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 me. How can she benefit me? What can she do for me? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I want her to promote on my Instagram because she's popping. I want her, like, but people don't have that genuine connection where it's like, okay, how can I help you? How can we help each other? How can Absolutely. we build a dynamic relationship so that way we can be successful in you know, gain healthy partners. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So the women that I even do collaborations with, a lot of the women, honestly, it's often me being genuine. They see that, okay, like she's a pretty girl. She has something going for herself. I mean, how can I help her? How can we help each other? Let's yeah. do it. And I'm It's like, like, what's the saying? If you see a queen, uh, fix her crown, mm-hmm. um, but don't tell her or don't make an announcement about it. I don't know what the, how the meaning goes. But and I never talk about anybody that I help. You, I never. I, it's so many women that that are in my inbox and in my DMs from relationship problems, from like how can I switch my career. Some people want to know like how did I get over my last relationship because mm-hmm. it was such a tragic experience. Mm-hmm. Like I get so many, you know, so many messages, and it's not my job to be like, you know what? Let me screenshot. Oh my God, I helped her. Like that's mm-hmm. not that's not what I'm gonna do because I know in the long run, I'm not looking for applause because I know that God has me on this earth within my purpose and I know that He has me here to help women of color in any form of life, whether it be career, whether it be personal, whether it be mental, spiritual. Absolutely. And I think how I choose to live my life is intentional living. And when you apply that practice to everything. It is magical. You know, like you said, you don't have to go out there broadcasting everything you do when certain things are meant to just be seated and flourish in its own time. So I think that with um, developing those healthy relationships, you have to understand how to seed it, how to plant it, and how to water it. And I think that's a, definitely a key for women who may be struggling with developing partnerships. Many women are struggling with owning their journeys. They're forfeiting opportunities because they aren't fully aware of their value. And you spoke about that a little earlier in the interview. So give the listeners some jewels on how they can add value to the different facets in their life. Um, I would say when it comes to adding value, you got to know what you're capable of. You got to know within yourself what you can bring to the table, what you can offer. Um, You just got to be confident. A lot of the times I feel like women aren't confident enough. They're afraid. They're afraid of the no. They're afraid of oh, well, she might not like me or she might not give me opportunity or he might not like me. He might not give me an opportunity. You have to go for your dream. You don't even have to be at a finished product. Just start somewhere. Every time that I wanted to do something, remember, I was young when I started. When Every time I wanted to do something, I didn't know. I didn't know why, like what to do. I didn't know how to make a logo. I YouTube and learn from my classes. I didn't know how to fully run a business. I read books. I didn't know how to do a lot of the things. I started when I wasn't a finished product. I just knew that I wanted to do something. And if I was my biggest fan, I'm going to be my biggest supporter. Amen. If other people don't want to support me, oh, well. I know this is making me happy, and I know I'm going to go far with it. So it's 
when it comes to that, you have to know your value. And like I said, you have to know your worth and you have to be confident. Go ahead and give it a shot. Don't be afraid. You, like I said before, you do not have to be a finished product. When I started Melanin on Wall Street, it wasn't a finished product. It was an, it was a concept. And I wanted to know how people receive it that and what how they would receive it mm-hmm. and what i started doing was sending out invitations hey this is something i'm developing want to know would you be interested what you think about it and i got such a good response from it and then i started the instagram and then i started doing little stuff here and there like quotes and little different things and our platform has been growing tremendously so you don't have to be a finished product we're not a finished product now with my organization i'm just now getting board members and committee members and soon i have so many women asking me to be members soon it'll expand to be a membership but right now it's you have to build the foundation and once you have a foundation of where you want to go don't let anything stop you and i think that's powerful i truly believe that and like you said fear holds many people hostage many women even men if there's men out there listening it's fear that is holding you hostage it's fear that's keeping you bound to those insecurities mm-hmm. yeah so it's you just have to have i like to call it confidence g-o-d confidence you know it comes from the source of life you are put here for a reason there's no listen if i'm not for you don't pay me any mind. That's I always it. say that. We don't got to pays- be each other. We don't got to rock the same people. We don't got to flow with the same flow. We don't yes. got to go to the same places. I don't got to drink with you, sis. Yes, But you exactly. got to respect me because you know I'm a woman of God. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, I'm a woman of standards. Yes. So you, it's like, come on, sis. Come <laughs> on. Even, when, even with my fiance, I had to literally, speaking of um, men, because a lot of mm-hmm. the times... A lot of my interviews are always geared to women, but I always have a lot of gems to give to men because I have a fiance. Mm-hmm. And when my fiance and I were together, um, we first started dating. He was kind of like in a rough spot. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, you know, as a woman of God and just a woman of just who I am as a person. Ambitious. I, ambitious. I had to help him. I'm like, babe, what you want to do? How can I help you? What you want to do? What, like, what we gotta, what, what do mm-hmm. I have to help you? And sometimes a lot of men, they don't have that extra push or they, or, they're, or they don't have that woman to be behind them to be like, babe, you got this. Like, you got mm-hmm. this. Give it a shot. Like, you know, and for me helping him, he's went back to school to like enhance his career. He got numerous new job offers. He became certified in a lot of different fields. So any woman that are, that's in a relationship and, some, and you feel like, well, how can my man get off the couch or... I'm tired of him working a mediocre job or I'm tired of him not making enough money. Sis, what are you doing? That also is a reflection of who you are. So you have to be able to be like, hey, babe, let's have a talk. I'm planning out my goals and I want to know what's your goals for the next few years and how can I help you? You have to be genuine and you have to have you have to be a team most of the time. And a lot of people don't like to talk about the whole teamwork and people with spouses because it doesn't get praised a lot on Mm -hmm. Internet, like it's a lot of my friends who are married, um, and you don't really see that now. Now you're starting to see more of like everybody starting to showcase the black love, the marriage, and yeah. And now everybody don't want to do with the girl with the big butt with the big (laughs) ass no more. Now it's dying out, you know. Mm -hmm. So I feel like as women, we definitely have to praise our men. We definitely have to have their back. We definitely have to motivate them. We have to encourage them. We got to speak life into them because. As men of color, it's hard for them already as it is. So we definitely um, have to, you know. Continue to save the day and give them that push. Exactly. So I definitely wanted to say that, um, being that we were just talking about men. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of my interviews, I always say, they don't never ask, like, well, how did this happen? Like, you're in a relationship, so did your relationship help you get to this point? I know that... um like you mentioned earlier, you had come from traumatic uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about, because there may be some women who have it together. There may be some women who have those jobs, have that house, have that car, have yeah. those uh, material have things. <laughs> but emotionally. <laughs> and I hate that. I hate that. That One of my friends said that. One of my male friends, he's in my inbox the other day. The other day, he's like, you and your girl seem to have it all. Like, y'all have nice careers. 
y'all have jobs, but why were y'all single? Like, why all of them? Why are all these women single? Is it that they can't keep a man? I'm like, no. It's not that they can't keep a man. It's that I feel like a lot of the the women. I don't know. Because I hear different sides. Like, a lot of women feel like, oh, I feel like I'm intimidating because I have my own or whatever. And then the dating world is so hard out there. And I feel like they're only looking for one thing. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's tons of men out there and there's tons of women out there for you guys that genuinely want to be a part of someone's life because of who they are and not for what they have. Everybody's a work in progress. So no one's a finished product. What about the times where, like I said, the women have it together, but their career might take a hardship because of their relationship. So have you experienced that? I actually, in my last relationship in college, uh, most mostly everybody know that I, I got engaged to like my college sweetheart. Um, that's what they call it, right? College sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we were engaged or whatever and things didn't work out. And a lot of reasons why things didn't work out I found this to be odd and I I thank God for you know clarifying and allowing us to do premarital counseling which I definitely feel like every couple should take even if you're just in a boyfriend girlfriend relationship just having an outside spectrum helps you realize if you're on the same page so I felt like he knew a lot of my goals he knew a lot of my desires he knew who I was before I even met him like my friend even told him about a friend that I had at the time told him about me like oh this is Ian like she's like all over the internet she's like popping for her fashion stuff blah 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 and then I felt like he knew who I was and he met this woman, this young woman at the time. I was a free spirit. He was handsome. I'm like, why not? Let's be friends and let's give it a shot. Of course, things happen. And later on, you start to realize, I don't know, is it a growth thing or you realize that maybe you guys are not compatible as you thought? Or maybe you realize because that you're young, things are just at a speed and this is good at the time. It's like we're young and we're attracted to each other and we think this is gonna last forever. So reality starts to suck in when you're about to try to get married and then you're only what, I was only 23 at the time. I'm thinking to myself at the time, all right, I know I'm only 23 years old, but then I think about God and I'm like, well, God doesn't put age on a marriage. If this is who I want to be my covenant partner, then this is who I want it to be. It doesn't matter if I'm 23 or 30. You know what I'm saying? If I want to get married now, this is who I love. And if it works out, it works out. But unfortunately, it didn't work out because what happens is he knew I wanted to go to law school. And he knew at the time I wanted to do my fashion law stuff. And he knew I wanted to go to school. I had my business I wanted to run. He didn't want me to have a job. He wanted me to be a housewife. Um, he wanted me to put my goals on hold so that he can accomplish a lot of the things that he wanted to do first, which is God knows what, because he's always <laughs> wishy-washy with his goals. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And at that time, in my heart, I felt like there was no stability. I'm like, you know how you have that feeling? I'm just yeah, like... intuition. It was like intuition for me. And I was just like, you want me to what? I said, so what about me? Like, I'm not about to live this kind of lifestyle and then wait. So you can do whatever you want to do. And then I, what about me? And I, I never wanted to be one of those women who they, they become in the shadow of their husbands mm-hmm. where they start to lack their goals or they never got a chance to achieve their goals because of stuff like this. So we talked about it. We had premarital counseling and we constantly realized we were never on the same page. And I'm just yeah. like, all right. I'm just like, and it, you know what's crazy? It hurt me so bad because this is somebody that I was like, oh my God, like this is who I really want to be with. And at the time, and I'm like, you know what I started doing? I started compromising myself. I started like literally compromising myself. Like I'm like, okay, well, I don't want him to leave. So I guess I'll do this so he can stay. Or I guess I'll say, okay, I'll go to school a year later or whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, mm, no, like I want to have my own money. What if this man just up and leave me one day high and dry and I don't have nothing? I have no family in Georgia. Like it was just so many different things that was going through my mind. And then I prayed one time, one night and I was like, God, please just show me, you know, show me the right direction to go. Like just, you know. I need somebody to just give me a sign, like, you know, and I was just praying, like, if this relationship is not meant for me, just give me a sign, show me everything. And then, you know, we got into a few fights and stuff like that. It was like very bad. Like when it, when it was like good, it was good. And then when it was bad, it was bad. Mm-hmm. So we got into like um, some fights and stuff like that. And then one day we got into a heated, heated, heated argument. And that was the end of it. It was little, it was like such a disaster. And then literally when it was bad, it was it was just horrible. And we ended our relationship that 
that moment, it was done. We lived in, um, at the time, we lived in the same place, and he left my place. He went back to his mother because I realized that he had mommy issues, too. Like, him and his mom wasn't, like, and they didn't have, like, that close relationship like that. And it was just a lot of stuff that he was going through, too, and I felt bad for him. And I used to pray for him all the time. I used to be like, you know, you know, I pray for your heart for healing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Heal, because he had a lot of issues that was taken out on me, and he knew that. But more than importantly, um, it was a lot of manipulation involved in that relationship, a lot of manipulation. Um, he felt like I had too much of an opinion while his dad felt like that. But I realized he couldn't handle me because I was just like, I'm not a weak-minded female. Mm-hmm. Or should I say woman? I'm not a weak-minded woman. So I'm o- I've always been strong, strong-minded. Strong-willed, yeah. Yeah, because I grew in a household with phenomenal women in my family, strong, educated, powerful, everything. So I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and let some man make me feel depressed, like make me not feel like I'm pretty or I'm smart or I can do the things that I desire. So I'm just glad that things worked out the way it did because I would have been a bird in a cage. I would have literally probably wouldn't even have been here to this day. I probably would have been on someone's farm. Uh-huh. And you got on a farm, right? Because I like hills, so. No. <laughs> well, I don't live on a farm. <laughs> no, seriously, no. <laughs> that was one of the things that he wanted me to invest in. I was just like. Yeah, so I think it's beautiful that you even shared that story for you to even be transparent on that level. So I really appreciate you for doing that because there are women who are maybe 35, 39, nearing 40 who feel like, wow, I've pursued my dreams and I've avoided these uh, men who were not meant for me because that's what God told me to do. But now I... Maybe I'm struggling with the fact that I'm not married or I don't have the children I want. At the end of the day, no matter if you're 25, 23, 39, 42, you have to understand you cannot allow another human being to compromise your integrity, your confidence, um, your standards, or just derail your way of life that God put you here for because of their insecurities, because of their lack of, you know, mom issues, father issues, family issues. And I think Mm -hmm. it's so important that you even mentioned premarital counseling. And I think as you, as a young woman in your 20s, you understand the importance of therapy, mental health, um, emotional stability. Even having a therapist for yourself is important. Absolutely. That's so important because a lot of the times... We go through things, um, there's a lot of things that we probably dealt with in our childhood. There's probably things that emotionally traumatize us. And I feel like every person of color should not be ashamed to go see a therapist or a doctor or someone that you can confide in just to get that off your chest and off your heart. Because a lot of time is when we don't speak to someone or get things off our heart, it builds and it builds and it builds and it brings us to be in a very bad place. And that's not something that we want to be in. We want to be mentally healthy. We want to be mentally free. We don't want to be mentally bound. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of the times God doesn't even give us those blessings or we can't even receive those blessings because we're mentally bound. Yeah, blo- so. we're blocking our own blessings because we are not in alignment with his calling on our lives. So I think that was just so powerful. So thank you so much for sharing that. But I wanted to get to the fact that many women are hoping or wanting to diversify our passions or their passions with the hope to live this amazing life. But they are not sure how to hone and own their abilities. So what juice can you give these women to help them understand the abilities that they already have are valuable? Um, I believe a lot of, let me see, a lot of the times, um, like we went into, we went into self-worth, we went into knowing, you know, having confidence, but a lot of the abilities that you already have, whether you be educated or you're, you don't have to go to college to be successful. So I would just say read books, surround yourself with the woman that you want to be like, 
um, go out and network. You never know. The opportunity, the opportunity that can change your life can be right in front of you. Um, I would say to always educate yourself, whether it be watching TED Talks, whether it be reading books, whether it be, you know, following someone on Instagram that inspires you. Um, I would say download a lot of different apps that speaks positive, you know, affirmations to you mentally. So that way, like I said before, you're not mentally bound and you're going to a place of being free. Mm-hmm. Um, so it all starts in what you feed yourself into daily. Um, I would say also starting your day, starting your day off being thankful, starting your day off saying, this is my time. This is my day. Thank you, God, for blessing me. You got to speak life into yourself. So that's definitely important. Just so I they would, can be able to identify their abilities. Exactly. Um, I would definitely also say, don't be afraid to go on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> YouTube is a free university. <laughs> I always say YouTube would be, if they put made a YouTube college, could you imagine how rich YouTube would be? Because there's a lot of things I learned on YouTube and there's a lot of things I'm still learning on YouTube, you know? So those are definitely some jewels I would say that can help them to learn their ability. But most importantly, ladies, you definitely have to speak life into yourself. You have to speak life into the things that you desire. You have to write them down. You have to put your thoughts on paper. I always say all the time, if you have any thoughts, I don't care if you have you all over the place, you have to get a book that's sacred to you and you write all those thoughts and all your goals down. Because at the end of the day, you're going to go back to it and you're going to notice that the stuff that you write down, you're going to eventually start checking off. And that's one of the things that I do. I always write all my goals down. I write everything in my life that I desire, I write down in a book. And gradually, I still might underline a little bit of stuff or add little stuff within that. And you check it off. You're like, okay, got that done. Got that done. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's very important every woman and every person should do. You've had two successful events. You've had the launch of your uh, Melon on Wall Street event. And then you've also had the Bougie Brunch NYC. Well, the brunch is actually curated by the BB Group. They throw brunches every quarter, I think. Um, And they reached out to me to basically, you know, be one of their VIP hosts, per se, (laughs) Um, for the brunch. And my goal for that was to definitely invite women of color to brunch and network and, you know, let people, more people know about Melon on Wall Street and to let, to see each other. Because my thing is, is like, we don't never get to see enough of each other. So it's so powerful when you have all these women of color, you got Latin, you got black, you have Caribbean, you have Mm -hmm. all women, and from mid to senior level, career woman that we don't even get to see each other. We got the same issues. So my goal was to definitely connect women of color who work in the professional career spectrum to connect with each other, never with each other, chit chat, talk and build those relationships. Because like I said, relation, we need to build those relationships to create the foundation that we desire to have and definitely to grow. Like I look at it as I be looking at it as if I have sisters, like I have one biological sister, but I have thousands of sisters. <laughs> yes, and that's beautiful. And so what about for the women who are listening and want to collaborate with Melanin on Wall Street? What type of person or organization are you most excited to collaborate with? Um, right now, we have even Caucasian people reaching out to us. It's, it's crazy. Um, Melanin on Wall Street is definitely, I guess, a hot commodity at the moment. <laughs> But um, we definitely like to work with anyone. We like to work with any woman of color, whether you're a professional woman of color, whether you're not a professional woman of color, but you need help in trying to be a professional woman of color. Um, we like to work with college women, um, the young millennial woman, mid to senior level women. Um, we pretty much collaborate with anybody that's aligned the same purpose as us. Like we definitely want to give back and we want to help. We want to educate and we want to make those sisterhood connections within our organization because we are a sisterhood we are a community and we definitely are very sacred and my problems is your problems you know nothing gets spread outside of melanin on wall street a lot of the issues that we go through we literally center it around us so um we definitely look forward to collaborating with collaborating with um different people in the future um we're definitely instagram we're now live on facebook it took us forever to get live on facebook because Things just been happening so fast mm-hmm. <laughs> for us that we haven't had time to update. Um, so you can definitely reach out to us on Instagram, message us on Facebook. Um, you can definitely go on our website and send us an email. 
So okay, absolutely. So now we're getting close to the end, but I did have some viewer listener questions. Okay, let's so, hear it. Let's hear it. Yes, and they want your opinion. So okay. this comes this first question comes from lifestyle blogger, um, direct marketing leader, Daisy Dash. She's an entrepreneur as well. She asked, as a black woman, brown or minority woman, what is essentially the most important career jewel you have for women who don't want to take the uh, cor- who don't want to climb the traditional corporate ladder in America, who wants to just soar in entrepreneurship. So I would just say just owning who you are, being don't be afraid to be a woman of color and dominate your industry. I say don't be afraid. I say just put one step in the do- put one step in the door. Once mm-hmm. you put that one step, like I said before in our interview questions earlier, you don't have to be a finished product. If you want to grow as an entrepreneur, I say you have to network. Um, you have to work on building genuine genuine, um, strong connections and building genuine relationships with other people that you want to partner with. I say also, if you see anybody that you want to work with, shoot them, shoot them an Instagram DM or send them an email because we all know Instagram is like the new business card now. Um, but definitely work on creating and building relationships so that when you create your foundation of where you want to go, you already have people on board that's there to support you. What has been like the key to success or the constant variable that you've identified within Melanin on Wall Street that allows women in your community to grow and flourish in a white male dominated industry? Um, I say that you just have to go in there knowing your worth and knowing who you are and knowing that you are badass. That's what I say. Because what happens is, in this industry, it's a man's world, but we're a woman. And it's the times is changing. We're educated. We're smart. We can close deals. And majority of these men need a woman to do the job anyway. Amen. Oh, <laughs> so, I would say, as a black woman, you know, in the in the man's world, it can definitely be difficult because sometimes they look at us as sexual objects. And a lot of the times I did get hired for a lot of these positions because I was attractive. Yeah. Yeah, You have to have a certain look. So I say use your certain look and monopolize off of it and use it for the opportunities because women, we're getting bigger, we're getting better, Mm -hmm. we're growing, and we're knocking down these doors. Amen. And in closing, this is called My Jewel to You. So one last jewel that you end with, choose from four different subjects. So either a jewel regarding womanhood, a jewel regarding hustle, a jewel regarding inspiration, or purpose. You choose. I can say purpose. Um, And my jewel would be to woman is to keep your standards as high as your heels Mm. and know that you are powerful, beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully made. And you can do all things with Christ that strengthens you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Angelique. I know you're a busy woman. You have another interview to get to. Thank you so much for being able to take the time to speak to my audience and essentially tell your audience who you are at a deeper level. So again, thank you so much. I definitely appreciate your time. You're so welcome. And I definitely appreciate this interview. I felt that it was very transparent. It was definitely open. It was very genuine. And you know, we go way back. So, you know, I got you. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Hi, Jules. I just want to say thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode with Angelique McNair, founder of Melanin on Wall Street. We talked about everything from strategic planning to knowing your worth and adding tax to the power of developing intentional relationships and business and also to know your value and allow that to be the key factor in all your pursuits. I just want to invite you guys to subscribe to our YouTube page. We just launched a new segment called Whip and Jewels Dinner Soiree. That's where I cook and connect with your favorite black women. Again, we're Whip and Jewels on YouTube. Head on over there, subscribe, leave a comment. Let me know what you thought about it. We do have a video up already. It's been getting such great feedback. The views are just increasing. So thank you guys so much for your support. And if you haven't already, don't forget, leave a comment on our podcast. Don't forget to rate the podcast. And if you want to join in on any conversation with us, we are Whip and Jewels all across the board on Facebook and on Instagram. Lastly, to any queen that you know who's 
Interested in exploring dynamic topics like culture, experience, business, personal development, and creative endeavors? Bring her over. Let her know we're here. Thank you guys so much, and I'll see you next week.